This week, popular crypto wallet provider MetaMask started banning all wallets associated with Iranian IP addresses. On Thursday, March 3rd, numerous members of the crypto NFT community took to social media sharing news that they had been completely barred from accessing MetaMask services. Jake, since you're here with us, what do you got to say about that? Um, I wish I had more information about it. I, don't, I haven't really looked into it as deeply as I probably should, considering what we do on this podcast. But uh, uh, my my hot take on it is that's BS. BS. There you go. All right, Cryptonauts, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, here with my co-host, Jake Jabrilli, here to give you the top 10 daily stats, as well as your crypto news of the day. With that said, Jake, once again, how has your day, your weekend, actually, well, when was the last time I talked to you? Jeez, it feels like... Uh, <laughs> Yesterday, when we decided to week. shift the, the <laughs> podcast to today, because... Because I accidentally slept through it. No, no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah, I just had a headache yesterday, and I don't get them very often. So when I did, I didn't deal well very well with it. Um, it's all right. No worries, man. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get started with our top ten daily stats. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. Ready? Rochambeau. Boom, okay. boom, boom. Okay, what you got? Fuck. Damn it! I got scissors. All right, go ahead. Take <laughs> oh, it. Totally right. Okay. All right, starting in the top 10 here, Bitcoin is market dominance of 40.61% here of the entire market cap. Bitcoin's current, oh, well, let me hit the refresh real quick, just so I, the absolute latest information, $38,411.81, a uh, week-long decline of almost 10%, and a current market cap of $729 billion. Ethereum is in the second place. Uh, its current... Uh, Dominance is 17%. Went down a little bit there. Its current price is 25.49.39, and it's down 10%, just like uh, Bitcoin is at current market cap of 305 billion dollars. Tether is in third place. It's a stable coin, so it doesn't change. Its current market cap is 79.7 billion dollars. In fourth is Binance, BNB, 355.97. It's also down 10% the last week, and it has a market cap of 61.4 billion. USD coin, another stable coin, is of course not moving, so it shouldn't move. Um, its market cap is uh, 52.4 billion. Terra is moving up and kicked Ripple out of sixth place. Terra is up 8.8% in the last week. Current market or current price 98.51 and a market cap 35.6 billion. Yep. XRP has dropped 3%. It's in, currently in seventh place, dropping one position at a price of 73 cents and a market cap of 34.9. So it's not that far away from Terra, but Terra has been just climbing up the ladder. I would not be surprised to see it overtake USD coin in about a week or two, um, if it keeps at this rate up. Even, I mean, it's the only thing going positive in all this negative week. And I know that if you look at the chart, Tether and USD are technically positive, but that's because they're stable coins um, and they can fluctuate very little. So um, Solana is in eighth position. It has fallen 15% in the last week at a current price of 81.18 and a market cap of 25.8 billion. This is pretty far away from Ripple. Uh, ninth place is Cardano ADA at 79 cents and 12.6% fall in the last week to a $25.3 billion market cap. And Avalanche is in 10th place at 74.29, a fall of 6% 
and a market cap of $19.6 billion. And then the following three after that, just got to list them, Polkadot, Binance, Doge, Terra, and Shiba Inu. Um, Binance USD is a stable coin as well as Terra USD. So we have a lot of stable coins, you know, at the top, not surprisingly, because people are trying to trade with them all the time. Yeah. Uh, Terra is related, Terra USD is related to Terra, the uh, coin. And so anyways, they're uh, within the $12 billion and up range. Have you, have you actually studied the Terra platform and know what it's about? Nope. I mean, I looked into it. I know it sounds sad, considering how much crypto we do. <laughs> I know. Now I, gotta, I think I have to look into no, it's, it. It's in sixth position. Now we'll finally look at it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my problem is that I own uh, several hundred different coins, um, you know, different amounts of each one. And uh, it's so much to keep track of. Well, I mean, look at the top. Look at the top of CoinGecko. 13,000. And 78, let me refresh real quick. Still 78? Yeah, 13,078 coins total. I mean, I've been in crypto since 2014, and there were not that many coins back then. Um, they were mostly just altcoins, you know, based off of, like, uh, Litecoin. But, um, and it, it's just not been around that long. And yet, we have 13,000 coins. Mm -hmm. And those are only ones that CoinGecko has enumerated. It's probably yeah. a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. If I look at, if I look at like, um, Ethereum or, or, um, even Dynamo or, or Ravencoin or any coin that allows you to make tokens, you know, makes uh, assets off of it. There's hundreds of assets made every single oh, yeah. second. Oh yeah. Are we supposed to count all those coins too? That's I don't even know if we could. Crazy. So yeah, it, it it's just too much information. I think my, uh, Mike made made a really good point that there's so much information about crypto you can't know it all. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah, I, I I got overwhelmed when. Um... The whole ICO craze jumped on deck and started doing it. Every, it just, one clone after another. I remember when that hit because at that time I was so deep into reading white papers in detail that it, there wasn't that many coins at the time. So I had all this, you can say, privileged time just to really study up on different projects that were coming out. So I'd read the, read the white papers. I'll talk to the developers. I'll talk to the community. I'll look at, I'll look at their, their code. Not that I'm a coder, but I'll, I'll tinker with it and see what's going on. And then when the you know Ethereum came out, the EVM came out, and everybody was creating these ICOs, and boom, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of projects came out like instantly. I go, what the heck just happened? There's no way. And I tried my best. And at that point, when the ICO craze came out, I'm I'm doing my best just to skim through hundreds of pages of of, of white papers, which come to find out. 99% uh, of them were all just clones of, of, of each other, literally the white paper. So it got to the point where when I was doing um, in-person conferences and shaking hands with people asking for uh, for my 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 investment to their project, I'm shaking their hands and looking at me and they're like, we are the best next project. Please give us your Ethereum. And I'm looking at them like, well, what makes your project better than the others? And I look at their white paper and I go, literally, Here's another, here's an, uh, at the time I, I had, uh, I, I printed out these white papers. So I would have a stack of them. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying like three of them, right? So I have one in my back pocket rolled up, you know, and I'm talking, walking around and I'm shaking one guy's hand. He's telling me he's the next best, best project. I'm, I literally, I'm looking at his white paper. I, I open it up on my phone. I'm skimming through it. And I, I pull out this white paper out of my back pocket and I'm skimming through the white paper, physical white paper from another project. And I look at him and I go, so I'm seeing that there's a lot of similarities. I'm trying to be very nice about it, but the reality is that what 
as a developer, what have you done to prove yourself to be better than the others when you literally just copied and pasted and all you did was just change your name? It's the same exact thing, you know? And like, why? He goes, well, we are the next best thing. Like, okay, all right. You can argue with yourself while you want. But uh, I'm, take I'm a seat, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that was a rant in itself. Go ahead. No, I, I get that you're Satoshi's. I, you spend a lot of time talking with people in person, so you you were familiar with uh, the, the utter BS that people um, presented to you to try to convince you of the like. Well, my uh, machismo is better than that guy's machismo, so we're better. Mm-hmm. Sure, dude, prove it to me, and we'll, then we'll talk. You know, <laughs> but a lot of people are just stand, just you know, what's it called? Um, Oh, I cannot think of the, the slang term when you're just standing around trying to look the, look the best. Um, not proposition, not stancing, not... Oh, why is the word not coming in my head? Um, why you, why you think of the word, I just want to give my two satoshis to the cryptonauts out there. D-Y-O-R. On any project, do your own research. And I think it's important that you truly understand. And you know what's tough is that now that I'm getting back into investing into a lot of new projects, I don't know if 2022 seemed to be the year that I'm just looking into a lot of new projects. And so I've been reading up on a lot of white papers. But, you know, I'm saying D-Y-O-R, but it's so tough to do your own research when there is literally no research out there other than a white paper. You know, if you want to be the first, you got to like just dive deep and, and hopefully that you invest into it early on into a project and get out of it uh, successfully. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of almost like BS to say, hey, D-Y-O-R. It's like, yeah, but by the time I sit back and wait for the research to come out, I'm ready too late. If I want to be a front yeah. runner, I got to dive deep before anyone else, right? And that's one of the problems that we have with the, the best example is the uh, squid coin. Yeah. People got in really fast, which is what the scammers wanted. Yeah. They're like, well, we know that people aren't going to do the research. No, that's so every we'll just project right hype now. It. So, like we'll said, just hype yeah. it, mm-hmm. and then we'll pull the rug. Yeah. And, and it's happened so project. many times. Yeah, it's, it's and still, it's, always it's, been the, it's always been that way. It's not new. This is not new. Yeah. It's, it's just people are like, well, if I don't get it now, I won't. you're right. If you don't get it now, you're taking a risk to get it now. But if you put I mean, and there is no telling if it's going to be real or not until it's real until it has enough time to be real so the prudent investor unless they have a lot of money to burn and are perfectly fine like like say mark cuban is an example of a person who's a venture capitalist does not dump 90 percent of his value into a project he takes a tiny tiny and granted he's worth a lot of money tiny portion of his gargantuan amount of money and puts that into a project until he realizes after it's been around for a while that it's worthwhile then he pours more money into it so if you're going to do it on your micro scale, whatever your micro scale is, let's say your, your total value is $1,000, don't put $900 into a project. Never, never, never put, I mean, I hate to sound like the, you know, finance guys on YouTube and on TV. Just don't do it. You put what you're willing to lose. If all $1,000 is what you're willing to lose, you're an idiot. Sorry to say it, but um, you can't just bet everything. You know, those one in a million chances are one in a million for a reason. They're not likely to pan out. If you put in 10% or 1% of your $1,000, which would be $10, and you lost $10, oh darn, it's only $10. 
if you're worth a billion dollars and you put in ten per, or you know one percent of a billion dollars, that's a hundred grand. That that would be oh no sorry, one percent of a billion is uh, ten million dollars. Sorry, um, and you lost ten million dollars. Well, you still got nine hundred ninety million dollars left. So <laughs> probably not hurting for money. I I I, I want to make a, a sidestep here. Just how we're going to make this quick. And I know we're going to get into the news um, and the rest of the ten, top 10. Um, I want to make a note because I want to talk about this at the end, probably in the after show. Um, there's a thing that people want, and I'm not just talking about money, but I mean peace of mind. I want to talk about why that is at the end. So if you're interested in what I'm talking about, please stick around. I'm not going to rant on it right now. We'll hit about it later. Let me just finish this off with, we've got, as I mentioned before, 46% Bitcoin dominance of the entire market, 17.7, 17% uh, for Ethereum. And if you haven't already, please collect your candies from CoinGecko, from Gecko Rewards. You can get all the kinds of things, you know, money off stuff and books and, and NFTs. Highly recommend checking it out. Anyways, our market cap for the entire market is down about 5% to $1.795 trillion. Let's get on to the news. All right, just really quick, did you notice that uh, BTC and ETH combined is about 57, 58% of the entire yep. market. Like, the entire that's market. Interesting. So like the rest of the coins out there are, are coming up, man. So alt season's right around the corner. All right, let's move on over to CryptoPotato.com to get our daily news. First news of the day, written by Dimitar Zanzarov. Fintech company Luna raises $77 million, launches crypto trading platform. The Nordic-based financial technology firm Lunar closed a $77 million financial round. The organization reached a valuation of $2 billion and introduced a cryptocurrency trading platform. The Danish company Lunar secured a $77 million Series D2 funding round, bringing the series total to $310 million. The investment was led by prominent financial backers such as Heartland, Kenevik. Kennevik, Tencent, and IDC Ventures. <laughs> Apart from the financing via which Lunar surpassed a valuation of $2 billion, the firm revealed the launch of a blockchain arm and a cryptocurrency trading platform. Ken Clausen, a former founder and CEO, raised hopes that the initiative will aid customers who struggle to use multiple platforms for their needs. Quote, we are excited to bring crypto to our universe of banking, payments, and investments, he's, he emphasized. Initially, Lunar used to be able to buy and sell BTC, Ethereum, Polkadot, Do uh, Dogecoin, and Cardano. In addition, Clausen predicted the future of money is closely connected to Web3 and the metaverse. Lunar's platform will explore how both crypto and blockchain technology can benefit our customers to enter the next level of payments and banking, the executive outlined. All right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I was kind of trying to avoid the uh, such and such company makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I really care. I'm not saying it isn't news. It's just, it's it's more explicitly finance news and not so much crypto news because crypto isn't just money. And I know that's weird to say out loud, but <laughs> crypto isn't just money. Even though we read the top 10 values of crypto cri cryptocurrencies at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. um, 
the next news I had was the Elron Network uh, to acquire eMoney license in Romania. And although this is money news explicitly, I think it's interesting to see the kind of idealism here. So, uh, by Chayne uh, Kadika. A popular blockchain project, project, Elrond Network, received a green light from the National Bank of Romania to acquire the payments firm TwistPay. By implementing TwistPay's e-money license, Elrond plans to issue, st issue stable coins to the European Union. According to the official press release shared with CryptoPotato, Elrond aims to vamp the utility, uh, utility electronic money, or e-money, and integrate blockchain technology. With TwistPay under its hood, Elrond will be able to operate within the entire EAA, or European Union, Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway under passporting rules. Now, I know this may not be as familiar to people in the US, but to those of us who are from the EU, I'm not saying I am, uh, you may be more familiar. The announcement also revealed that TwistPay is a principal member of Visa and MasterCard. Benjamin uh, Minsu from Elrond Network commented, quote, the landmark decision from Romanian Central Bank opens the door to EU citizens and soon everyone else to significantly benefit the, from value flowing with near instant settlement times at 100x fewer cost with full transparency and higher reliability, end quote. In addition to the issuance of e-money, the team will also be able to offer payment services under the Second Payment Services Directed, or PSD2. Under the EU Commission proposed European regulation on markets in crypto assets, the blockchain platform is also entitled to issue stablecoins that can be offered to the public in the EU region in a legal and compliant way. Beside new stablecoins, Elrond explained that other important use cases, such as crypto-enabled debit cards, as well as benefits of decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens, and other Web3 technologies will also be explored within the applicable regulatory framework. Elrond had announced its intention to acquire the e-money service in October of last year. During the same time, Benjamin Min Minsu, uh, or Min Minsu, yeah, uh, the CEO of Elrond Network had stated that the team behind the platform was working closely with regulators to ensure that they, quote, operate in a fully compliant manner within the perimeter defined by European law, end quote. I feel like this, this is such a stark contrast between what's happening a couple countries over in Ukraine um, as a, uh, trying to go with the most legal way and most fair way of doing an e-money system like I said, is a really stark contrast to what's literally happening in another mm -hmm. uh, Eastern Euro European country right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's good to see the Elrond network trying to make itself more available. Good. I mean, Elrond is up and coming, right? They're, they've been around for a little while, but they're up and coming and, and becoming, they're trying to beat the Ethereum game. You know, everyone's trying to beat Ethereum Obviously, not Bitcoin. I don't think any of the coins are going to overtake Bitcoin for a while, if ever. Uh, all right, I shouldn't say if ever, but it'll be a while. Um, and I don't know that it'll be Ethereum that does it. Oh, um, so everyone's trying to be Ethereum at its game, being like the most utilitous uh, coin. Elrond's just another one. All right, let's get to the next one here. This one's written by Andrew Thorobalas. 
how this investor mistakenly sold his rock NFT worth a million for virtually nothing. So sad. Yeah, I hope that never happens to me. I do have my rock NFT as well. Raven Rock. Remember, Ether Rocks, the plain rock JPEGs that became incredibly valuable NFTs last year? Question mark. I do remember that. You guys remember that? You remember that, Jake? These rocks oh, yeah. were no, really free. They, rocks. Were, they were royalty-free images, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> They're rocks. Crazy. <laughs> they were digital free. Like the, the person that made these NFTs didn't even make the rocks. They literally just went to like free and free like uh, royalty-free images and found some rocks and just changed the color on it. Yep. Yep. I know it's it's insane, and it's not like it hasn't happened before. But you know, there's no regulation on it. Well, there is a regulation on it, but no one's following it. A lucky owner recently tried to cash in on one of those collectibles, but accidentally sold it for under a cent. Oh no! Mm -hmm. Twitter yeah. user at Dino Di Dino Dealer, aka Rock Dust, once held Ether Rock number 44 and planned to sell it for 440 ETH at today's price that's over one million dollars the idea wasn't crazy multiple other worthless images within the same collection sold for well over five hundred thousand dollars last august however dust accidentally fat fingered its listing putting it up for 444 way rather and rather instead of ETH. way mm -hmm. is the smallest denomination of ETH that can be traded exactly thousand million billion trillion quadrillion one quadrillion way is equal to just one ETH in other words the 440 way the rock was listed for is worth orders of magnitude less than a penny dust had a, had little chance to reverse the listing either a trading bot nabbed the free NFT within the same block dust said that his entire net worth was placed in the digital rock and asked those who sniped it to show mercy Ah, this is crypto, buddy. Let's see what happens. Yeah. This isn't the first so, time. Some people are going to have to lose. Yep. Yeah. Some people are going to have to lose in order to, I mean, it's a hard lesson. It's absolutely a horrifically hard lesson. It's not like his, his entire wealth burned down in a fire. At least that could be recovered by insurance. Of course, he could have had insurance on this if he really wanted it. That's true. Um, there is crypto insurance now. Yes, now, there let's is. See, let's see if he got mercy. And that, that could have been a way to save his ass, but it, he didn't do that in time uh, for that his should be actually, wonder. That should be more advocated now. Now that that's actual real thing, you should actually you should make a business about that. Just make episodes of oh, no, there how is, to get crypto. There are several businesses out, out yeah. of it. I've, I've actually met a guy but, who was doing this a year ago. So we need yeah, we, but we need more awareness of it, more uh, publicity about it. Get your, yeah. get your crypto Well, I mean, I, I, the, to take a short aside, and I just want to go in a, at the moment, but I mean, to make a point of this, um, this is kind of what Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, the U.S. senators, are trying to do in a sense. Not explicitly insurance, but a, a sense of insurance. Like, Remember FDIC is the thing that we always say on banks. So they cover up to $250,000 of any money that you put into a bank. Um, and so that's social insurance in the sense of the U.S. government will cover you if you lose that money from the bank or the bank gets robbed or something like that. Or they just disappear with all your money. You'll be covered by the government up to that amount of money. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, this is the same concept, right? If you have a valuable asset, you should absolutely should in, insure it because you don't want to lose it. Now, is that insurance going to be expensive? Yes. Particularly on something so volatile as NFTs. Um, would you be spending maybe a third of its value or 20% of its value? Yeah, you probably could, but you know, if you spent that and you did some dumb fat figure thing like this guy just did, you wouldn't lose it ultimately. Well said.
Alright, so this isn't the first time an NFT holder butchered his own sale. In December, one BAYC. What is that? What is it? Bay Area Yacht Club? What is it? No, it's <laughs> Bay Area. Board Ape. Oh, Board Ape. Board Ape Yacht Club. What the heck? Bay Area. <laughs> Board Ape Yacht Club holder sold his ape for three, $3 rather than $300,000. Since crypto transactions are peer-to-peer -peer and irreversible, such accidents are virtually impossible to, to remedy. Dust agreed that his accident was somewhat of an easy-come, easy-go scenario, which caused him to not carefully double-check his sales before making it. I have actually... Yeah. Oh. Un momento! The controls are the same whether transacting $1 or $1 billion, he said. Is just a line of data and a click of a button. There you go. Want to get that? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'll mute mine, but you can continue on the next one. What are you going to take? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to take the uh, Crypto.com release. Okay, go ahead. Oh, uh, from Demetrius on the rough again. Crypto.com releases an NFT collection featuring NBA star LeBron James. Here, uh, basketball failure fan you will definitely know who we're talking about the popular cryptocurrency exchange crypto.com uh, announced the airdrop of a non-fungible token collection in cl collaboration with la lakers star lebron james it is called quote the moment of truth end quote and will be airdropped to 550 5, randomly selected viewers who scan hidden qr code one of the top sports events in usa the super bowl which that's not is football rather i should say american football not basketball is among the most viewed matches of the year it usually attracts numerous companies which advertise their services in the 2022 edition there was no exception as many crypto platforms use the opportunity to present their services crypto.com for one released a 30 second commercial shortly before the match between the la rams and the cincinnati Bengals. in a recent announcement the exchange revealed that 5550 of those who found the scanned and scan the QR code that appeared on the video will win a limited edition LeBron James NFT. The basketball player himself took part in the commercial where he talked to his teenage self. Ben Lay, a creative director at Crypto.com, or Crypto.com, explained why the company decided to work with the NBA player and release an NFT collection dedicated to him. Quote, we wanted to immortalize this very human story about making big decisions. We were initially quite nervous to present the storyboard to him as it touches on a very personal moment in his, in his life. But he loved the idea instantly. It hopefully it had nothing to do with the fact that we were paying a lot of money to him. Anyways, LeBron James is an icon, but his history and upbringing is the reason we can all connect with him and what makes this story so powerful in Another trading venue that advertised itself during Super Bowl was Coinbase. It consisted of a colorful, bouncing QR code, which, upon scanning, led viewers to the company's promotional website. Earlier this year, the NBA uh, player partnered, that's being James, of course, um, LeBron James, uh, with Crypto.com to launch a cryptocurrency educational programs for children. James revealed he will introduce the initiative in quote, I promise school, end quote, a public elementary school based in Ohio and supported by him. It's a quote. Blockchain technology is revolutionizing our economy, sports, and entertainment, the art world, and how we engage with one another. I want to ensure that communities like the one I come from are not left behind. 
he said. School programs and training opportunities will also extend to students' families. With this approach, the Basketball Star aims to build more educated and stable families in Akron, Ohio, where he grew up. So yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. Um, I didn't scan the QR code because, I mean, even though I probably should have, I just thought it was stupid. And it was on the screen for, as they say, 30 seconds. I probably could have done it. It was just bouncing around the screen. But I was like, this is dumb. It's just an advertisement. I mean, yes, it could have led to something, but it was not. I was not interested. So. It was interesting because they only released that 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 image for that one time. That was the only time that they showed that quote commercial or the three second ad. Interesting. All right. And I believe that you can only get it if you scanned it within a certain window of time that they put it up. So it's like even if you found the image, and I'm sure it's floating around on the internet somewhere. Oh, um, you can scan it now, but you can't get it now, oh. even though. It's still, you know, the QR code is available on the link, but it was a limited time only. So that's what this is tied to. So it's kind of like, like you were saying before the, the show, um, you know, how do you know without doing research, getting into it? With a QR code, it's probably not as, you know, problematic to do to do something, right? Um, you're probably not as likely to lose because there's, there's no money direct involvement. Um, but... Uh, it's still, you know, one once in a lifetime opportunity, and it's gone now. So, congrats to those five thousand five hundred fifty people. All right, on to the next one. This one looks like a juicy one. Ethereum 2.0. Let's see. This one's written by Andrew Thorovalas. Major milestone: over ten million ETH staked in Ethereum 2.0 deposit contract. The deposit contract for staking on Beacon Chain, the blockchain providing the spine of Ethereum 2.0 ecosystem, has now collected over 10 million ETH. That's $26 billion of staked value at current prices. The Ethereum 2.0 is a long-awaited Ethereum upgrade that will convert Ethereum's consensus mechanism from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake. The Beacon Chain will be the core of the Ethereum 2.0 chain, which is set to merge with the existing Ethereum chain and replace miners by July of this year. That's just a few months away. Though Ethereum 2.0 is not officially released, ETH holders are already enabled to stake their holdings on the Beacon Chain. As of writing, the contract holds 10,021,538 ETH, equivalent to 26 billion. That's a lot of money, 26 billion dollars. Uh, whereas proof of work requires miners to expend electricity mining blocks, proof of stake replaces block validation in the hands of those that stake their ETH holdings. Vitalik Buterin believes that this will reduce Ethereum's carbon footprint while pro providing providing it with more transactions scalability. However, the founder said that the same thing about Ethereum's London hard fork upgrade, which failed to meaningfully reduce the network's gas, gas fee. Yes, I know that personally because I was... I was basically telling everybody, this ain't going to make no difference. London hard fork ain't going to make no difference. And everyone's like, yes, just just hold on. It's going to just going to be all right. Actually, you know what? Who even convinced me even more was um, uh, was 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 black. Oh, my God. Tron. Tron black. Why did I forget that? Tron black. You know, when he when he gave us that. That little thing about the stadium and the ticket and the ticket prices. Graveland? Uh, uh, no, no. So, 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 he gave us. Oh, no, little, you, you, the analogy. The analogy the, the he analogy. gave us about the so, change, right? Yeah, you mm -hmm. probably say you probably say it better than I do. You want you want to try to try to go for it? 
Um, I don't remember exactly how he put it, but he was kind of saying, like, unless you increase the port to the stadium, the problem, and this is, how to put it, it's an old adage. Um, when you're filling something in the beginning, you can fill it quickly. No matter how small or large the ports are to the access of it. It's like when you're filling a stadium, you have you know, maybe it's like 20 or 30 entrances, right? Um, <clears throat> in the beginning, you don't have a lot of people moving in and out, so it's easy to fill. As you want to put more and more people in, you have to increase the size of the door, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is the stadium is only so big. So unless you make the stadium bigger, <laughs> it's not going to matter if you make your doors bigger. Yeah. Um, and that was the problem that we're running into with this most recent upgrade is it didn't change very much of anything because it didn't change the size of the stadium or the doors. Uh, yeah. It just changed it, the flow rate. <laughs> yeah, and even even the flow rate kind of just bounced back up immediately. It's it's actually coming exactly. back down as of right now, but when London Hardcore first uh, came online, there wasn't really much of a difference, which was really a disaster in itself. Because everyone was kind of waiting for that, like, okay, what's going to happen? Is it going to work? Is it going to go? It's still not technically back down to what i would feel very comfortable with what vitalik buterin was actually saying that it the evm you should be able to do transactions at you know uh less than a penny mm -hmm. Th that ain't ever gonna happen with ethereum i don't i don't ever see it even when we do uh proof of stake i don't think it's ever gonna go back to uh to when i first was getting onto ethereum which was basically the genesis block of ethereum and and working on um playing uh ethereum on no paying a few uh, pennies per transaction anyways let me continue on here no. uh let's see uh however the founder uh, said the same thing about ethereum's london hard fork upgrade which failed to meaningfully reduce the network's gas fee compared to others proof of stake coin ethereum 2.0 currently has the highest third uh the third highest staked value on the, its network it is only surpassed by solana and terra which already outstripped gardano all beacon chain validators are running a full node, meaning Ethereum's node count should increase exponentially upon Ethereum 2.0 arrival. So will the fees. Right. I basically have more more access points, which is good. I'm actually holding off of Ethereum until it becomes fully 2.0 because I just at that point we won't have the same restrictions we currently have, and that and it'll basically become more like Solana or Light, but not exactly the same as. Um, and I know there are. There are gates. You have to set up gates in order to not allow people to completely bull over your network. I, I, but, I, I, I mean, just feel that uh, at this point, there's just so much bad juju with Ethereum that regardless of what it does, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I want to do my best to try to move far away from that and onto other chains as possible. And I'm sure that there's millions of other people out there that are trying to do the same thing that are just stuck on Ethereum. Yeah, and that's—I mean, I—I'm somewhat stuck. I, like, I, I have a couple of coins or stablecoin things that I've stuck on that are on Ethereum that I can't move because I'll completely destroy the value of those things. I mean, right now I was just looking at ETH gas station mm -hmm. um, dot info, and yeah, the the price of even the fastest transfer is currently only eleven cents U.S. dollar, point one one. No, but you got to listen. That this is this transfer. I don't <laughs> want to get this confused with an actual smart contract fee this right, is contract smart. yes smart contractors are different than transfers that is yeah. a good point a to transfer make. is just a, just for clarification when you see this uh, i'm pulling it up right now uh for the viewers mm -hmm. out there or you can go to, to the c3 media youtube channel to see what we're talking about 
the transfer yep. here that uh, Jake was talking about, the Levinson's transfer, um, is in regards to a moving the coin to coin. You, you're moving your Ethereum to another Ethereum wallet. To another it. Ethereum wallet. That's yep. it. It has nothing else applies to this 11 cents everything else is smart contract and that there is like i i looked at it earlier today it was about surprisingly it was under 20 bucks uh, not bad it was actually a pretty good rate um but still 20 dollars compared to 11 cents i mean i would like to see the smart contract at 11 cents i would like to play some blockchain games again i love playing blockchain games i don't mind paying 11 cents for a transaction Yep. No, but I'm it was the same thing. The reason we moved back. to Binance was because yeah. Binance was so cheap to do all kinds of smart contract on transactions. Mm-hmm. You know, the most expensive I've ever paid for a smart contract transaction on Binance was like a buck thirty. Well, I've already moved over to Polygon, and I'm paying uh, a fraction of a penny now. Oh, Polygon is definitely better in that sense. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, th- there's better ways of doing it than Ethereum, and that's why these other networks are coming up, like Solana and Polygon. Oh. Um. Anyways, continue on with the news. Goldman Sachs considers offering crypto options for institutional holders. I don't really think that's news because it's Goldman Sachs and I don't really care about them. Perfect. Um, FTX inks a deal with Tomorrowland to expand Web3 and NFTs in the music industry. Now, we're talking about this a lot lately, so I'm going to read it. Dimitar Zanzaroff writes, FTX Europe, the European subsidiary of the U.S. crypto exchange FTX, collaborated with the music festival Tomorrowland as part of the agreement. The trading venue will help its partner bring its truly unique and magical events to the digital space by supporting Web3, NFT, crypto-related initiatives, etc., etc., etc. The the European affiliate, FTX, joined forces with arguably the world's largest dance festival, Tomorrowland. The crypto exchange will aid its associates with Web3. I just don't know why they wrote it twice. (laughs) Specifically, the festival vowed to bring its best blockchain technology and implement its upcoming events. The include the the annual iconic Tomorrowland in Belgium, Tomorrowland Winter, and the award-winning digital festival Tomorrowland around the world. The collaboration will seek to release non-fungible tokens and metaverse experiences to music fans. The Tomorrowland's evolution to Web3 could create numerous options for festival goers in purchase virtual uh, to purchase virtual tickets and engage with favorite performance in the near future. Bankman-Fried, uh, CEO of co-founder, uh, founder rather, of FTX, said that it's exciting to see the continued blending of crypto music and events. In, this view, in his view, Tomorrowland's future initiatives give attendees a fun and interactive way to gain access to exclusive events. I think that's a good use of NFTs, in my opinion. Commenting further uh, was also Michael Beers, founder of Tomorrowland. Quote, since day one, it's with in the DMA of Tomorrowland to never stop pushing the boundaries of creativity and innovation to create the most unique experiences and important moments for our global community, the people of tomorrow. The evolution of Web3 opens a lot of possibilities for our endless imagination and also the opportunity to tighten the bonds of our community in the coming years, end quote. Tomorrowland is a Belgian electronic dance music festival held in Boom, Flanders. <laughs> it's first edition took place in 2005 when only 10,000 people attended it. Over the next decade, the event gained massive popularity as renowned DJs like Avisi, Armin van Buren, Tisto, David Guetta, and many others, I hope I pronounced the name right, are the top performers on it. In 2018, Tomorrowland saw a record attendance of 400,000 people. So, what about Coachella? Tomorrowland is not 
the first music festival that FTX has partnered with. Earlier this year, the exchange collaborated with Coachella uh, Valley Music and Arts Festival to introduce non-fungible tokens to collections to fans. The digital collectibles are separated into three categories, Coachella Keys Collection, Sights and Sounds Collection, and Desert Reflections Collection. That's a little hard to say. The latter, which is the most valuable one, celebrates the festival's 20-year history. I think this is brilliant. I'm, I'm glad to see FTX doing this because it's bringing the idea of um, unique experiences. Now, I mean, you could show unique experiences of like, I took these photos at Coachella or at Tomorrowland, but those are just yours. Even if FTX said, hey, you can post your photos of your event to our own blockchain for this event and then you have proof that you were went to that event and no you can never go back to that you know 2019 2018 2017 version of coachella it's gone it's done no it's over with but the other thing is having other little special things not just collectibles which of course people are going to definitely want but um something that can give you furthermore so it's like let me give an example um too much in the history, but if you're a if you're a fan of Ferrari, the car manufacturer, um, you know it, there are certain Ferraris you can only own if you've owned previous Ferraris, which means you have to have bought pre prior Ferraris. In some case, multiples like the Enzo was only available to people because they're only making very few of them. Who bought multiple other Ferraris in the past, and it wasn't even people who just bought them recently. You couldn't have bought like the entire collection of Ferraris recently and then gotten an Enzo. You had to have owned them for years before you were allowed to even potentially buy the Enzo. So this is what kind of exclusivity gives to a person. You can say, well, maybe there's a future thing with Coachella or with Tomorrowland that says, how many um, of these events have you been to? Let's say they've been to three or five of them, right? Over the last year or last, you know, five or 10 years. Who cares? Let's say it was over 10 years, you've been to five of them in any number of years over this, every other year, whatever. Um, that would give you the opportunity, and maybe it's free, maybe it's just included because you've done it before, um, to go to an exclusive thing within Coachella or Tomorrowland that no one else gets access to because they've only, you had to have gone to five previous events to attend. And it gives you this exclusivity thing. It's not just associated with people who have money. Yeah, you had to have money to go to those things in the first place, but you had to have had experience. You had to have gone to those things. You have to have done those things in order to get to the next thing. People love that. I know, because I'm one of them. <laughs> Not particularly about Coachella or, or uh, Tomorrowland, but I mean, I played World of Warcraft since it started. And there's something to be said about the prestige of having done the things all those prior years. People are like, oh, wow, you're an OG. You know. Maybe that's an overblown concept, but that's what I'm getting at. This is brilliant, and I hope they go further with it. Oh, yeah. It's fun. Okay, next one. What do we have here? What do you got? Third, third BitMEX founder. Third BitMEX founder, Samuel Reed, uh, pleads guilty to violating bank se secrecy, sec secrecy. 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 Secrecy Act. Secrecy Act. Written by Andrew <laughs> Thorvalas. Samuel Reed, one of three co-founders of the BitMEX crypto exchange, has joined his colleagues Arthur Hayes and Benjamin Dello in pleading guilty to disobeying the Bank Sec Secrecy Act. Secrecy. Secrecy. Se secrecy. Like a secret. 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 <laughs> secret. Secrecy Act. Acts anti-money laundering provisions. BitMEX is based in the East African uh, Seychelles uh, Arch Archipelagos. 
uh, north of Madagascar, founded in 2014. It, it facilitates the trading of cryptocurrency and related derivatives products. Like Hayes and Dello, last month, Reed has pleaded guilty to will, uh, willfully failing to establish, implement, and maintain an anti-money laundering program at BitMEX, according to the Justice Department. Specifically, Reed failed to follow U.S. KYC and AML requirements at his exchange, despite being very familiar with their existence. Furthermore, he repeatedly lied about the exchange having withdrawn its operations from the country since September 2015. He also failed to file a suspicious activity report when notified that his exchange was being used to launder stolen funds from a crypto hack in May of 2018. In fact, no such reports were ever made by the exchange from 2014 through September 2020. Quote, this office will not uh, permit cryptocurrency exchanges to operate as a shadow financial system that enables criminal actors to move their illicit proceeds without detection, said the department, and will vigorously investigate and prosecute the operators of such exchanges who deliberately flout U.S. law. As punishment, Reed will be forced to pay $10 million fine representing the gains deri uh, derived from his offenses. The 32-year-old could also face a maximum of five years in prison. As of 2021, BitMEX places KYC requirements on its users after agreeing to settle a lawsuit with the CFTC and FinCEN for $100 million. Man, they got slapped left and right on that. Yeah, I kind of wonder, I mean, it's it's the Seychelles of Ar the Archipel uh, Archipelago, excuse me, um, as they say, north of Madagascar. I didn't realize the U.S. had jurisdiction there. This is the thing. I realize a lot of people use BitMEX from the U.S. And, and I know because I was one of them at one point. Um, I didn't know where they were located. I just knew they were online. And they made, you know, I would have access to it. Um, but it, it just bothers me that, uh, you know, if, if, he's, if these people were holding their money in the U.S., then yes, the U.S. has jurisdiction over them because they have to file taxes in the U.S. In which case, the U.S. can do these things. Um, but the thing that bugs me about it is, like, they're not in the U.S., so if they were primarily doing things in the Seychelles, then how does the U.S. have any jurisdiction? Yes, please. Like I said, I, that's what I was making a point of. If they're doing a lot of their business in the U.S. and they're keeping their money in the U.S., or they're trading their coin for U.S. dollars in the U.S., then yes, the U.S. has jurisdiction. But if they hadn't, if they'd been, you know, getting their money or just keeping it in Bitcoin and never trading it to U.S. dollars, the U.S., in my opinion, had no jurisdiction. And that's my opinion. I don't, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't really understand it, nor do I know that I could state that explicitly. But it always bugs me that the U.S. goes out of its way to other countries and says, hey, you other country over there, you're doing something we don't like. It's like, hey, hey, we're, they're not in the U.S. Who, why do you care? Yep. Well, you're not judging. I mean, yes, you are judging what, what, what Putin's doing in his country. But you don't have any jurisdiction in Russia, so I, it just bugs me. But, but like I said, I don't know the full story. This this story just tells us what happened to this guy. It doesn't tell us the entire story. Um, but it would be I'm I'm gonna actually look into this later because I want to figure out what actually happened to Bitmex and why they were you know did all this stuff to their founders and and, and top execs. So, um, crypto proponent Yoon Suk Yeol of South Korea's new is, ooh, is South Korea's new president. He's a crypto proponent. That's good. 
Uh, also, again, from Demontar's on the Rough. I keep reading those. You keep reading uh, Andrew, I keep reading Demontar. I don't know. <laughs> Yunsuk Joel, I hope they're pronouncing his right, his name correctly. A member of the Conservative Party won the South Korean presidential election. The new political leader of the East Asian country has demonstrated a pro-crypto stance. Not long ago, he vowed to increase the minimum threshold for paying crypto gain, capital gains tax on profits from digital asset investments. The election was also highly anticipated by the locals. Actually, no, I missed some of it, didn't I? Um, the presidential election was one of the most contested in the history of South Korea. Yoon Suk-yeol, uh, a 61-year-old former prosecutor and candidate of the Conservative Party, secured a narrow victory over his opponent in the Democratic Party's Lee Jae-moon. The <clears throat> election was also highly anticipated by uh, the locals as 77% of the South Korean adults went to cast their ballots. That's quite a number, even more than we did, ever did. <laughs> In the aftermath, only a quarter million votes separated the two candidates. Yoon, known for his crypto-friendly viewpoint, labeled his win a victory of the great South Korean people. One of, the, one of his recent appearances, he pledged to raise the minimum level for paying capital gains tax on earnings from cryptocurrency investments from two grand to 40,000. Wow, that's a huge change. If implemented, South Korea could become an attractive destination for participants in the blockchain universe and even turn into a digital asset center. Hmm, that's not a good idea. We're not supposed to centralize digital assets. <laughs> and one of the most recent appearances, he pledged to raise the minimum... Uh, oh, I already said that, sorry. It is worth noting that Yoon's opponent, Lee Jae-moon, uh, <clears throat> has also shown affection toward the crypto sector. Earlier this year, he issued... Non-fungible tokens to fuel his political campaign. The, co the collectibles depicted his image and served as a bond, allowing holders to exchange them with other individuals. Now, I think that's really cool. Now, it's like it's propaganda, but it also holds a value. It's like people putting bumper stickers on their car in the U.S. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of politicians who are—I've never done this. I just think it's something that represents your enthusiasm for that idea. Um, speaking of politicians who are pro-crypto, it is worth mentioning Francis Suarez and Eric Adams. The former is the mayor of Miami, who became the first politician to receive his salary in Bitcoin instead of fiat currency. Apart from praising the merits of cryptocurrency sector, Suarez is also a hodler, as his stash includes Bitcoin and Ethereum. Eric Adams, the recently elected mayor of New York City, is a keen advocate of the industry, too. Similar to Suarez, he vowed to get his first three paychecks in crypto. At one point, Adams even argued that children should study blockchain, I agree with this, technology and digital assets in school. Yes, yes, I, I don't agree with Eric Adams on very many things, but his crypto stance is one of them. Um, Mayor praised New York as the center of innovation where scientists work off self-driving car, work on self-driving cars, drone development, cybersecurity, and more. Cryptocurrencies are another technological innovation that young people need to embrace, he added. So, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to see more crypto proponents, even if they are conservative. I mean, I don't swing either way, but what's your thought? Yeah, I think, well, this last little part talking about, you know, trying to get children into uh, blockchain, I, I, I highly encourage that as well. I, I want to see, I want to see more youth instead of learning about old uh, textbook stuff. Get everybody a tablet or a desktop. And have them learn to program early on, man. I think it's important yes. to learn that. I wish yes. I, I think I think programming early. should be yeah. Programming should definitely be included in schools, and it is a lot of schools. It depends on the school, but 
Uh, you, you remember yeah, Justin Reed. Sun? He's back in the news. Let's see. Cool. Written by Chineka uh, Deca. Tron. Hey, what's going on here? I clicked it. There we go. Tron's Justin Sun dismissed allegations of insider trading, among others, calling report fabricated storytelling. Uh -oh. The Verge reported Christopher Harland Dunaway through through more than one bomb in his latest piece. In on Justin's son, the allegations are more than serious, and the claims are anything but amusing. The expose, according to reporter Christopher Harlan Dunaway, the Tron founder is often trying to evade the financial regulations on both China and the U.S. The bombshell article explores in depth Justin's son's many alleged, alleged, sorry, alleged uh, escapades. Dunaway claims to have spoken with 15 sources on the condition their names be withheld, as well as seen hundreds of pages. Ah, my eyes. As well as seen hundreds of pages of internal uh, Tron documents that were leaked to him. Uh, the explosive report by Dunaway accused Son of being a man desperately thirsty for success with seemingly limitless energy, little to no empathy for his employees who pursued high uh, tactics and technology that ran afoul on the U.S.-China trade war. A former employee allegedly revealed to the reporters that Sun and his Beijing team were involved in market-making, insider trading, and drive-up price of TRX. Another source told Dunaway that the main reason for onboarding former SEC officer David Labhart as Tron's first head of compliance or proving that TRX is not a security but a utility token. Labhart's departure was also claimed to have been triggered by yet another risky move from Sun's part uh, when the compliance officer was allegedly asked to write a legal opinion to protect him if he were later charged for selling unregistered securities and avoid liability. Poloniex, which Sun had acquired in 2019, had allegedly implemented fake Know your customer procedures according to the article. Ooh, no, no, no. The former employees even said that the exchange platform would rubber stamp any government IDs and joked that they would approve if a user submitted a pic of Daffy Duck. No, you didn't. <laughs> Reportedly, the investigations is being led by the FBI. Reaction? Question mark? Justin Sun's deemed the accusations as false and fabricated storytelling and described the article as a blatant uh, defamation. In a series of tweets, the China-born tech entrepreneur called the article a complete falsehood on the part of the Burge and the reporter, and the Poloniex operation and even threatened to pursue legal remedies. Poloniex has always enjoyed a sterling reputation from its origin as a Safu exchange, we have upheld the highest standard in safeguard, safeguarding crypto assets for our clients with a proven track record without any major security breach in operations in the last eight years. Now I, that's the end of the article, now I have used Poloniex for many years before they uh, got regulated out of the US. But uh, early, in the early days of Poloniex, um, they were stateside and uh, that was actually one of my first major exchanges that I was using. And now they're no longer here, so bye bye. Yeah, I didn't. I never used Poloniex. I used um, Yobit in the early, early, early days. 
Um, but they still exist. Interesting. And then, I mean, well, they still exist. I mean, whether or not they exist, I always, I was always told Yobit was a Russian um, based. It might be, it might be Ukrainian. It might be Romanian. I don't remember. But no, it was Eastern European um, uh, exchange. But it was one of the few in the very beginning that actually offered things that I had coins, basically Litecoin based coins. Where they, they were the only one that, that offered me any place to exchange them. So. Ethereum gas fees at eight month low as interest in NFT and DeFi wanes. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that because that's true. Finance to ramp up mergers and acquisitions in other sectors. You think this is interesting? Um, can you just do a little quick uh, glance of it? Read, read the headlines. Uh, it's ongoing quest to become the Google of the crypto industry. The world's largest exchange is looking to expand beyond the realm of digital assets. Branching out, PNB price outlook is pretty short. Okay. All right. Uh, Martin Young says, you, don't, you want to do this one? No, just go to the next one. Let's go. All right, go to the next one. All right. Satoshi era Bitcoin address worth $20 million worth of Bitcoin activated after 11 years. I love these. I love these when people come up, come back from the dead. Come out of the I woodwork. Mean... Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Mitar Zondorov says, the Satoshi era Bitcoin address holding 589 coins, that's not very much, has been activated after over 11 years. Uh, the last time a transaction occurred at the wallet was in 2010 when the, bit, the Bitcoin in it was worth 50 bucks. Wow. <laughs> holding over, hodling rather, over the years. According to the popular crypto data analytics platform whale alert the bitcoin address has not shown any activity for 11.4 years the address contains 489 bitcoin which in 2010 was worth only about 50 dollars us dollars going by today's prices though it's worth about 20 million what a combination right hey 20 50 dollars worth of bitcoins but yeah best investment ever uh quote a dormant address containing 489 this is a tweet um or an alert rather uh 489 btc or 20 0.242263 USD has just been activated after 11.4 years worth $50 in 2010. Here's the link. The community went wild in speculating on possible reasons, it's pretty glaringly obvious, for which the address was inactive for so long. Lost seed, owner being in jail, hacks, whatnot, or just some suggestions. Of course, if we rule those out, it's admirable that someone managed your diamond hands <laughs> through this period and score a return of 42 million percent. Wow. Hodling uh, Bitcoin has so far turned out to be a great investment strategy for those who are unable to time the market. Bitcoin is a very volatile asset and being able to predict its movements is as challenging as ever. Uh, this is definitely true. For example, yesterday, March 9th, the digital asset re reacted positively to Joe Biden's executive order on cryptocurrency soaring to $39,000, from, or rather from $39,000 to $42,000 in a matter of hours. Today, March 10th, though, Bitcoin's price tanked back to $39,000. Sounds like a short pump and dump, right? That's a move of about 7% in both directions, which is extremely difficult to time properly. According to a recent study, 37% of the surveyed American investors would not cash out their crypto holdings even in critical moments. Knowing as having diamond hands, these people admitted that they don't even find luxurious purchases as tempting reason to sell their stash. The 
Research further revealed that the average amount of those participants have allocated to crypto is about $1,700. Who is it? I wonder who it is. Say again? I want to I know who it is. Please. I don't really want to know who the person is. Uh, I might want to know, like, the general idea of the kind of person. Like, what if there was a CD concept, you know, certificate of deposit <clears throat> that somebody created for Bitcoin way back in 2010, and that person just couldn't remove it for 10 years? <laughs> And they just put the private keys on there? Yeah, they're just like, you know, I, I can't. I, I, I put in uh, 589 Bitcoin back in 2010, and I couldn't well, remove it. Four, four, sorry, 500. I was rounding up to 500. Oh. I just said the rest of it. I'm rounding 500. It's roughly that much. Um, it's not a lot of coins, yeah. even though the value of one Bitcoin is 40 grand. Yeah. It's not a lot of coins. And so it's like, you took anything, even Litecoin. 300 Litecoin, which isn't worth anywhere near as much, but <clears throat> it's, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't care about the, the. I don't care about who the person actually is. I don't want to know their, you know, profile. I just want to know why. I, you know, was it? I. Fine? I mean, so it's like twenty million dollars is a lot of money. I, on the other hand, would like anybody. to get somebody on the podcast that, you know, that has done this if they diamond handed or they've been doing like you know 10 years in prison you know mm -hmm. for you know doing something illegally obviously um or they just found an old pc with some private keys on it <laughs> i i, I want to know the story behind it yeah. yeah i would like to know the story behind it too I, like i said i don't need to know the actual identity of the person i don't need to know their name i need to know where they live i just want to know their story yeah Moving on, uh, $100 billion evaporated as BTC price fully retraces to the Biden pump. That was from yesterday. We know that. We're going to move on. Kraken to give uh, over $10 million worth of Bitcoin to Ukrainian citizens. We've had this discussion um, last week about uh, donating um, to any cause, not just Ukraine. I don't want to just, just say Ukraine, but to any cause. Is it actually making a difference um, in the war itself? That's the question. Now, from my understanding, um, I did read some other articles that uh, Ukrainians are actually buying um, arms with crypto. Um, not sure where they're getting them from, but they are getting arms um, with, with crypto. Yeah. Uh, let's see. $250 million in liquidation. That's BTC. Blah, 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 blah. Cody released uh, 2022 roadmap plans to focus on becoming a robust payment layer. What is Cody? You ever heard of Cody? I did. I guess I missed that one. Hold on, let me go and scroll through the news that I may have missed here. Cody, that's <coughs> from from yet. Uh, no, that is today's. Oh, yeah. C O T I. Yeah. Cody or Cody? Um, huh. I think I yeah I skipped that one on purpose. I, it it just didn't sound interesting to me. Okay, it's 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 a marketing sound. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, no, the the Kraken article, the controversial file sharing platform LimeWire was what I thought was interesting. Where, where is that one at? I don't see it. Mm, oh, there it is. Yeah, Kraken? The, no. No, another Kraken one. The, the um, file sharing platform LimeWire relaunches. Uh, go ahead, because I don't see it on mine. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Where did it go? <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, well, let me see if I refresh this and it disappears. Nope, still here. Okay, um, it was written on the 9th, it's not on the 10th. Uh, alright, so, controversial fi file sharing platform LightWire relaunches its NFT marketplace. 
LimeWire was one of the many <clears throat> P2P file sharing companies that had earlier pushed illegal downloading of music onto the masses before shutting its operations down in 2011 following lengthy court battles. But now the defunct site is set to make a comeback this year as a music focused NFT marketplace. New owners of the defunct LimeWire have revealed that they, it will be launched as an NFT marketplace. The focus will be initially on music and related collectibles. Last year, Australian, uh, pardon, Austrian brothers Julian and Paul Zetmer uh, had purchased LimeWire's intellectual property and other assets. The rebooted version will also allow users to buy and trade limited editions, unreleased demos, digital merchandise, among other rare items. The restoration of LimeWire was fully funded by Zetmeyer's, uh, or by the Zetmeyer's. After selling previous ventures, the duo, duo plans on securing additional capital through the launch of a LimeWire token, or LMWR, as part of its roadmap. Initially, tokens will be sold to a select few strategic partners just before a public sale later down the line. The token holders will be able to make changes to LimeWire's policies and choose artists to be featured in its music charts. Under the new leadership, LimeWire to debut in May of this year, 2022, following the debut of the public token sale, the platform aims to steer towards its official launch to, into the film industry. Julian was quoted as saying, quote, the issue of the NFT market is that most platforms are decentralized. If you look at Bitcoin, all the exchanges are making it easy to buy, trade, and sell Bitcoin. There's no one doing the same in the NFT space. I disagree with that, but we've got uh, this great mainstream brand that everybody's nostalgic about. We thought we needed to build the real mainstream user experience as well, end quote. Long before suspicion-based, subscription-based, suspicions-based? No. <laughs> Long before subscription-based streaming services such as Spotify and Netflix, LimeWire, along with other popular peer-to-peer -peer services, was the only refuge to many individuals for almost a decade. LimeWire was founded in 2000, but reached its peak only after a couple of years. It greatly benefited from Napster's demise due to the multiple copyright violation lawsuits. Even as LimeWire's predecessor was forced out of business, the file sharing site continued to operate for years. It wasn't until 2006 that troubles began to roof the platform. It was forced to stop shop a closed shop after a New York court ruled in favor of the record labels Arista Records and the RIAA, or the Recording Industry Association of America. Did you ever use LimeWire? I did not, actually. Um, even though it did come up about the same time as Napster, I, I gotten away from music almost immediately. Uh, I had all the music I wanted. I didn't really want more. I knew a lot of people who did, but I got into audio or video stuff with... Um, the name of it why can't i remember the name of the company um anyways i i actually served i served as a node for video sharing for about nine nine months i think and then the mpa started climbing up my back about hey you know that's probably not a good idea i ignored them but eventually i stopped before they started suing people i didn't know they were going to start suing people because they didn't tell me they're going to do that but <clears throat> i just said fine 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 i will stop and then they started suing people. <laughs> wow. Cool. LimeWire was cool at the time because it allowed me to put a lot of uh, uh, MP3 files 
on uh, what was it uh, 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 iPod I think it was yeah iPod at the time right I think it was yeah anyways moving on uh, let's see yeah, there's a couple more articles here I don't have any other things I can add my last my bit to the story that I was talking about in the beginning go ahead okay so one comment that I wanted to make as I did from the beginning was that people are often searching for peace of mind not just money um, a lot of people are in, into crypto because they're looking to make it rich right but are you looking to make it rich or are you looking to build a business for yourself and I'd say most people are not looking into crypto as a business strategy obviously Sam Bankman Freed of FTX is and he's currently doing it um, these guys the uh, Zetmeyers are also looking to build LimeWire into a functional business but is their goal to be just you know multi-billionaires it might be it might be one of them but is that really any person's real goal I think most people just want to have enough so that they can live and not worry about money anymore. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that uh, lifestyle includes a lot of sex, drugs, and, and you know, tropical getaways. But um, all those things eventually get boring. I'm not saying I've done them all, but you can talk, you can look, read plenty of books where people said they've done that life and it wasn't really that great. Most people, in my opinion, like I said, this is just an opinion point, is they're just looking for enough so that they feel like they don't have to keep working their butt off the rest of their days. Um, and I think that's what it is with crypto, is it's this opportunity, and yet another possible opportunity to not have to work your, your, your fingers to the bone and die working. Um, it gives you that potential ideal for, I can finally relax. Right. I don't have to work anymore. Now, I'm going to make a caveat to that. Not working anymore is not fun either. <laughs> Maybe you like playing Madden football or FIFA football, soccer, um, or video games all day, every day. Eventually, it gets boring. And I'm not trying to like diatribe here and tell everybody how to live their life. I'm just saying that being busy and doing something you enjoy doing and not having to work for money to exist is actually probably the most desirable thing I know I'm looking for that. Um, and so I think of crypto as, not, as a means to an end, but not um, like the source of all the things. I'm involved in crypto because I, I think it's fascinating, but I'm not involved in crypto because um, I'm trying to become a billionaire. I don't want to be a billionaire. Um, I know that maybe sounds strange, but I, I don't even want to be a multimillionaire. I just want enough so I don't have to think about making money anymore and i keep thinking that that is a, a thing that i think everybody's looking for like if you could get if we could just make it so the entire world worked because they wanted to and not because they had to then we have a lot more happy people on the planet <laughs> and that's kind of what i'm trying to get with my two cent or two satoshis here is if crypto can help bring the world up to a level where uh, work is done for the betterment of mankind mm. because we know we have all of our essential basic mm. needs met. Yeah. I think we would see Gene Roddenberry, the guy that created Star Trek's version of utopia exists on the planet. 
Now, it sounds like I'm selling something great. I don't know. I don't think we'll get to that in my lifetime. Or I, think, even in my... I think what you're trying to sell is a very, very good UBI. I, sort of. But yeah, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm trying to say that crypto might be the answer to it. Um, and that doesn't mean we should stop trying to innovate. It doesn't mean we should stop trying to make the world better. But um, I think it would probably put an end to the hatred we see in things like Putin's war on Ukraine. Um, uh, people knew that they had their basic daily needs met. All of them met. Obviously, there's still going to be people who need more than the basic daily needs. There are plenty of those people out there that are called rich people. But <laughs> um, there are people out there who need more than just the basics. And I don't know how to satisfy them. I'm not trying to either. But it would be nice to see the whole world up, 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 raised up. And I think crypto, and that's what I was trying to make this, this commentary say, is that crypto can lead us there, in my opinion. Well said. I could use Satoshi to the crypto nuts. There's a couple more articles I do want to read before we wrap it up here, though. Um, <clears throat> if you don't mind. Uh, sure. Next one written by Dimitar Zanzarab. This is from yesterday. Um, SEC's Gary Gensler expects a regulated U.S. crypto market after Biden's executive order. The current chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Gary Gensler, said that the agency will collaborate with government organizations to achieve important public policy goals in the cryptocurrency sector. His comment came shortly after the U.S. President Joe Biden signed the first ever executive order on digital assets. The long-awaited executive order on cryptocurrencies from the White House was finally released earlier today. The directive to be signed by President Joe Biden recognized the development of the digital asset industry over the years and outlined how it could benefit um, excuse me, American authorities and the nation's citizens. It is worth noting that the main focus on, of the executive order was the investor's protection while dealing with cryptocurrencies, as well as mitigating usage of the digital asset class in illicit transactions. Other key priorities that the U.S. national policy should focus to include financial stability, U.S. leadership in the global financial system and economic competitiveness, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation. Shortly after its release, SEC's Chair Gary Gensler took it to Twitter to share his thoughts on the matter. He looks forward to partnering with colleagues across the government to accomplish certain goals in the sector. Similar to the White House, he pointed out customers' protection and guarding against illicit activities as priority. And here's a tweet from Gary. Today, at POTUS, signed executive order on crypto asset. I look forward to collaborating with colleagues across the government to achieve important public policy goals, protecting investors and consumers, guarding against illicit activities, and helping ensure financial stability. Um, earlier this year, Gensler opined the American financial regu regulators should directly supervise digital asset trading venues. In his view, such additional monitoring uh, should be imposed by the end of 2022 as it will grant investors more protection when dealing with Bitcoin and alternative coins. Quote, I've asked staff to look at every way to get these platforms inside the investors protection remit. It, if the trading platforms don't come into the regulated space, I'd be another year uh, it, it'd be another another year of the public being vulnerable, he stated. Prior to the statement, he outlined... That actually sounds very scary. Um, prior to the statement, he outlined his affection to the world of crypto, but said this will not stop him from pushing for enhanced regulations in the industry. 
I'm not neutral about investor protection. If somebody wants to speculate, that's their choice. But we have a role as a nation to protect those investors against fraud. That's the end of the article. Now, I said that sounds very scary because this 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 comment here. Um, I've asked staff to look at every at every way to get these platforms inside the investor protection re- uh, remit. That right there just tells me that hey, in order to be part of the club, you got to come through us, and that sounds like in order to participate, you need to go through the government centralization uh, regulation. And if you don't comply with what the government wants, then they either take what you have or they don't allow you to participate in this club. I don't like that. That's not crypto. So no, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm sorry. There's got to be a different way. Like DeFi. The DeFi way. <laughs> Please. All right. There's government. The government will never be the government will never be decentralized. Yeah. I mean, I, I say that now and if 300 years from now, I'm proven wrong. I won't be around to. You're gonna hear me. You're gonna hear me on the to podcast. wear, to, like, yeah, to see, wear egg on my face, right? See, Jake, um, but, I um, told you they were going to be fine. No, I mean, government, the government itself <laughs> won't be its own DAO. Um, uh, the U.S. government is now a DAO, great, um, or whatever version of they have it 300 years from now. DAO.org. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Dow.gov. No, yeah. US, US.dow.gov. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dubai um, established virtual assets regulatory authority to develop crypto sector. Is that a good read? What do you think, Dubai? I thought we were going to read the oh yeah, the Biden digital asset. Yeah, there thing, was right? one down here about Biden. Um, bah, 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 right here. Yeah, that's kind of the last one I want. You want to take that one? That's a good read. Okay. All right. President Biden's digital asset executive order. Here's what you need to know now. Actually, I read that in a restaurant. Here's what you need to know. A long-awaited executive order on cryptocurrencies from the White House is finally out. It details how the industry can reinforce the U.S. as well as its citizens. This is, of course, what drove Bitcoin up $3,000. The need for risk mitigation as well as outlining a few critical points for regulators to work on. This has been a hot topic throughout the cryptocurrency community, and finally, this statement is out. It should have led at the beginning of the hour with this. Anyways, as it turns out, the market responded favorably to the news. The document recognized, recognizes the growth of cryptocurrencies over the past few years and outlines how it can benefit U.S. authorities and the country's citizens. Rise Vigil Assets creates an opportunity to reinforce American leadership in the global financial system and at the technological frontier, but also has substantial implications for consumer protection, financial stability, national security, and climate risk. As a priority, the document says that the U.S., quote, must maintain technological leadership in this rapidly growing space, supporting innovation while mitigating the risk for consumers, businesses, the broader financial system, and the climate, end quote. The six key priorities that the U.S. national policy should focus on include consumer and investor protection, financial stability, illicit finance, U.S. leadership in the global financial system and economic competitiveness, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation. Those are all very, very generic statements. In addition to all of the above, the document also poses a possibility for the U.S. to explore a central bank digital currency, or CBDC, acknowledging that over 100 countries have already done so. I think the U.S. is going to do it, but... I don't think the U.S. dollar will ever become it. (laughs) 
The order directs the U.S. government to amass to assess the technological infrastructure and capacity needs for a potential U.S. CBDC in a manner that protects Americans' interests. The order also encourages the Federal Reserve to continue its research, development, and assessment efforts for a U.S. CBDC. In conclusion, the document revealed that the U.S. administration will also continue to work with agencies and Congress to deliver actionable policies that protect investors and guide responsible innovation. Furthermore, the broader cryptocurrency market responded favorably to the news and gained upwards of $130 billion in a matter of hours. Commenting on the fact was Gabor Gubrax, director at Van Eck, who summarized the document. It largely promotes studies and oversight, but, aims, but also aims to support innovation and strategic leadership to further the national interests. Seems net positive for the industry, he said. Jeremy Allaire, the CEO and co-founder of USDC issuer Circle, delivered a thread on the matter saying that this is a watershed moment for crypto, while also comparing the order to when the government woke up to the commercial internet back in 1996-97. And here's his tweet. So, um, yeah, the market did react and then it immediately unreacted. <laughs> but... Uh, I think that once implement, you know, it, it's good to, to hear the president say, yes, we're doing something on this. I think you have more to say on it than I do. No, I think this just piggybacks, sorry. I think that just piggybacks off of uh, the last article with Gary Gensler. I kind of, this is, uh, shining light officially from the White House onto, onto crypto, like acknowledging its presence, I think, uh, in the public view is finally like it's finally a thing you know there was a time that i literally became that anonymous person online and didn't want to let the public people around me know that i was in crypto because there was a time that if you were involved with bitcoin you were a terrorist a drug dealer or a child predator yep so publicly i didn't want to let people know that i was um, you know involved in Bitcoin because I love I love blockchain I, I, I truly I've been doing this for years man you know I love doing mm -hmm. this I'm doing this for, I, this is I love this stuff you know even then I won't ever forget but I was there was a time that I was terrified I didn't know if the FBI was gonna come knocking knocking down my door <laughs> saying hey you know we're gonna confiscate your Bitcoin and now to see that the White House has actually acknowledged its presence and saying hey we're gonna you know put uh, some regulations but in a way, it's also terrifying because I feel like there's a there's almost like a, constri a con there's constriction going on now from all sides with crypto and everybody that's involved in it publicly. So I think this is kind of what these big time exchanges are trying to tell people without directly telling people, which in a way they are telling people get off of our exchange. Buy from us, use it as an on-ramp, but please immediately get off of that because once this stuff comes into effect, once this is fully activated from government, you know, you're either included in the group or you're excluded. And if you don't comply, then you're done. I mean, it's, there's another terrifying thing that's going on with Canada, not just our states, but with Canada, they're pretty much, um, that's a, you know, that's a whole different topic, but it, it's, it's. There was a new order that was released earlier this week from Canada, basically uh, coming up with their own UBI, an official UBI from the, from the Canadian government.
but basically in order to participate you need to have uh, you need to comply with the social credit system more or less and you need to be vaccinated yeah yeah if it basically their their uh, gateway to universal basic income in Canada is you must be vaccinated yeah <clears throat> Oh, everybody wants well as i said before everybody wants basic needs met mm -hmm. um it's something we could definitely do it, it's absolutely possible to meet absolute basic needs i mean without even making it as bad as hud homes in the united states i don't know if, if u.s people might understand what what hud homes are but the the, in, the the sort of it is that that living style is was terrible it was it was the worst of the worst. I mean, you were living worse than poverty. I mean, well, worse than abject poverty. <laughs> and so there are systems out there that could give you the bare minimum, but they're just not worth it. Mm. So. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. You want to plug in the uh, crypto tree? Yeah. So um, thanks, everybody, for making it this far in the, in the show. Um, our, uh, let's see here. Up here a second ago. Where you? Oh, there we go. Um, if you appreciate our content, please give us a thumbs up on YouTube and any other liking methodology for where you get your podcast. Uh, you can also check us out on Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, that's when you can subscribe to us and hit the notification bell so you actually get notified when we post. Uh, you can check us out on Discord. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, you can pick up our C3 Media token if you come participate. You can also get us on Patreon, as well as donate through Binance, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, Bat, a bunch of bees, and Raven. All that information is in our Cointree link in the description below. All right, Cryptonauts, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. And thank you, Satoshi, for joining us. Until next time, Cryptonauts. Stack sats and huddle. Adiós.